Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. The year is 2021. It is no longer safe to transmit information. Phones, computers, and satellites are all vulnerable, but there is a solution. Your storage capacity? I can carry nearly 80 gigs of data in my head. Input the data into the brain of a human courier, like Johnny Mnemonic. Hit me. How do you fit all that in your head anyway? I had to dump a chunk of long-term memory. You had to dump a chunk of what? My childhood. What are you doing? Making a long-distance phone call. I've got the goods, Ralphie. Now I just want to get them out of my head. Now, in a future... We locked on him. ...where those who control the information control the world. I've been charged with recovering the head of the mnemonic courier. Everyone wants what is stored in Johnny's head. Double cheese anchovies? Charlie! You're waiting for me, Ralphie. Time is running out. I'm a dead man if I don't get this out of my head. If I can get it out. How? A cranial drill and a pair of forceps. For the future's most wanted fugitive. in the head. Johnny Mnemonic. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Damey Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themaindamey.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Main Damey. We are also now a proud member of Geek Fives Nation. You can find them at gbnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Meyer. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Hello. So, uh, we've chosen two movies back to back here if my timing is correct that are way too close to what's going on yes (laughs) real life yes very much say if another worldwide plague hits after this releases we need to stop doing this podcast immediately (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely so if you're listening to this at this point robocop has come out already regardless of when this drops and we broke america (laughs) (laughs) i think robocop was the last straw that broke the camel's back really yeah we we pushed our power too far we did really really felt awkward to drop that on january 7th (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah and it's we should have picked something well if we had known in advance to help the nation heal I don't know if this is the movie to help it heal, really. That, this one's definitely not it. Uh, <laughs> maybe next week, but probably not, based on <laughs> right. what we're thinking. <laughs> yeah, now, uh, 2021 is just going to be us fearing for what are we going to break next. Yeah. <laughs> but before we get into this week's movie, gentlemen, what have you watched? Well, I started watching the third season of Cobra Kai. Haven't gotten too far into that, about three episodes. And I've noticed the children are awful at karate there's a i don't have you guys watched cobra Kai? yes 
Yeah, so, I have not. Okay, so the kid who plays Miguel is actually pretty good. He's a yes. pretty good martial artist. Everyone else, like in Miyagi-Do, is terrible. I feel like we could beat them in karate. That's it, how bad they are. Their moves are very choreographed. It's very dance-like. Yes. So they're not swinging for the fences. It's not It's not like they, they're trying to make these look good and like look like these hits are going to hurt. Mm-hmm. It's like... I think it is a weakness of the show. I think it's a, the show's a lot of fun regardless. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I definitely see what you're you're talking about. It's very campy, and I, I buy into the camp. William Zapka, I don't... I can't believe he hasn't done anything from, like, Karate Kid to this. Because yeah. he's awesome. I love him. He's so good in it. Yeah. Martin Cove is so good in it. He steals the third season for me. I watched, it, the, I watched the whole third season over the weekend. That's Crease, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Such a good villain. Yeah. Everybody I, I is better it. than Ralph Macchio. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> like, no offense to Ralph Macchio, but like no, you know. he's not he's not what's keeping me watching. I think people came to see Daniel Sun when it first came out, and now they're staying for the uh the Crease Johnny storylines. Yeah. And definitely well deserved. They those guys are awesome. So I, I watched that. I watched this show called The Truth Seekers. on amazon i don't know if you gentlemen have ever seen that nope Uh, that's simon Pegg and nick frost okay it's basically paranormal investigators solid show and after watching this movie i thought to myself this seems like it wants to be big trouble in little china so i watched big trouble in little china yeah you know parts of it are definitely especially the like the yakuza type Mm -hmm. of storyline like yeah this is kind of Big Trouble in Little China-ish. It's not okay. 100%, but I, I had that vibe from it. So that's essentially all I've watched. Okay. By you, Mark? Nothing in the sense of traditional movies and all this week. Stuff-wise, it was the speed run thing, the awesome games done quick, so that's been on my TV while I've been on vacation, just playing through. And then also I've been writing a lot for Stranger Damies, so you know I haven't really been able to sit down outside of watching this movie to do anything besides that. But yeah, just watch some... Really funny things occur in in terms of the the, the games done quick, which is always fun if you're... I know every so often I bring up video games here and you're like, wrong podcast. But truly, it is the only thing I've been watching this week. It's been pretty interesting, but most of my effort going towards the other podcast we have that comes out before this. So hopefully it was worth it this week while I was on vacation to, to concentrate on that. Okay. For me, I watched both the first two prequels of star wars so i watched phantom Hmm. menace and attack of the clones for some reason i don't know i don't know why i did it i just did it i I don't actually think i've ever watched attack of the clones well it's the worst one you did it because you wanted to fire off some hot takes (laughs) that's why in reality so the week before which i never actually mentioned on the podcast i watched through the original three watched through star wars watched through empire strikes back watched return of the jedi so then i was like you know what i'm gonna keep this going I guess I'm just trying to avoid watching The Mandalorian because I still haven't watched a single episode of The Mandalorian, but I'm like watching Mandalorian adjacent stuff, which is all the stuff that came before it. So I watched The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and I did have some hot takes, specifically that Qui-Gon Jinn is the reason for the Empire. We we got into it a little bit on Twitter. I, I vehement, vehemently? Is that how you pronounce it? I don't even know anymore. You've butchered it too much. I did. I really... <laughs> Don't like that opinion. Yeah. Is what Maybe I'm we'll have to set up some Patreon episodes and have a longer discussion about that. That would be fun. Yes. Too long too long for this for this podcast. We'll we'll bring our receipts. Yes. So I watched those two. Then I watched The High Note, which was HBO's movie of the week, which is Dakota Johnson plays the assistant of like this huge oh. pop star played oh, by it's the Trace, one with Diana Ross. Yes, Tracy Ellis Ross. Yeah. And she plays her assistant who's trying to make it as a producer and stuff like that. Very light movie. So it's like something to put on a Saturday. I like the Dakota Johnson. I liked her since Ben and Kate. All my Ben and Kate fans out there. It was fine. It was a nice, it was a hundred minutes. So, you know, nice and easy. Kills almost less than two hours. So I watched that. It was fine. I feel like I didn't, I watched something else, but I also started the history of swear words or whatever history of swear words the nicholas cage the series on netflix which is even lighter and even dumber yeah and it's got nicholas cage in it 
So is it just Nicolas Cage reading off swear words essentially? So what it is, it goes through like the entomology of these of swear words. So first first show is about fuck, and it brings on comedians to talk about fuck, and it also brings on like this woman, this one woman that they interview has maybe the coolest job ever. She works for, she works for the dictionary by first of all and her specialty is swear words profanity she gets paid for that she gets paid for that to hmm. write the dictionary webster's dictionary i believe so i believe it was Webster's dictionary yes interesting i mean you and would she's... think there's not much job security there i don't know but she specializes in profanity that's that's great <laughs> so yeah she gets Street to kind job. of walk around just saying fuck and all those things yeah Wow. So I think we watched like three episodes yesterday. It's, they're like half hour episodes. It's kind of mindless if you're interested. I, I feel like we could just get rid of her job. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like once you do it, it's done, right? Yeah. I, how do you keep, how did she, who did she con and how did she do it to stay in that job for 30 plus years or however well, long? Uh, she seemed pretty young, so maybe she doesn't hasn't had it very long. But I mean, like, language is always evolving, man. God damn <laughs> <laughs> what was her official title title uh swear word curator what like what is she man that's what my i probably put that on my business card that's what i would say <laughs> i'm a curator of profanities <laughs> i don't get it uh whatever good for her that led to a question on there which was interesting what your favorite swear word is Ooh. I think a lot of people always lean toward the F word, right? That'd be fuck, right? Yeah, it's so, it has so much versatility in it. Yeah, and that is one thing that they go uh, they talk about during during that episode it is the versatility of fuck. Right, it's a noun. Yeah, it's a verb. <laughs> yeah, then they had like Sarah Silverman on. They had Jim Jeffries talking about it. Nikki Glaser, I think, like a whole bunch of comedians. Oh, uh, Nikki Glaser. So she was probably talking about some pretty risque stuff. I, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, she was on there. She was on there for like the bitch episode. And... Okay. So we watched fuck, watched bitch, and shit. Why is Nicolas Cage doing this? <laughs> just I don't know. He's to the comedians. He's he's, just, he's like the present. He's like the presenter, like the Rod Serling of it, if you will. He's he's got to he's got to pay off that pyramid still. Yeah. Hey, they can't touch. They can't touch the pyramid, man. Yeah. IRS can't come for your headstone. We've we've talked about this on the podcast. <laughs> That's the one IRS thing you get to keep. touch your grave. <laughs> well, I, I got to check that out because that does sound interesting. Sounds like there's some pretty cool people on there. Yeah, very light. Don't watch with your parents kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Understood. And I think that's all. Yeah, that was quick. But I did watch a few movies this week, so that's fun. And I did watch Cobra Kai Season 3. I watched the whole thing. And I think that's it. So before we get into this week's movie, we're going to take a quick break and listen to some ads. So we will be right back. And welcome back. And now it's time to get into our movie of the week. This week it was Mark's pick. So Mark is the one that subjected us to this. Mark, you want to introduce this yeah. week's movie? Yes, I chose Johnny Mnemonic. Basically, it's a movie I saw when it first came out. So I've been interested to go back and revisit it since I've seen more cyberpunk type movies and video games and things just to see how much either the creators took from it or just trying to remember how much it was close to to Blade Runner and stuff like that but and it also coincided with me finishing the video game Cyberpunk 2077 with one Keanu Reeves who's also in this movie he's gotten better as an actor i can say that much <laughs> even from this movie to to that to the video game but i was very interested a lot of the stuff you see hasn't really evolved in what people think of these futuristic cyber worlds I can draw parallels to a lot of things in both the video game Deus Ex and, and Cyberpunk specifically, which I don't know if this is a thing of the genre or if it was in Blade Runner, because I forget that wire that the one guy pulls out that sort of cuts the guy's heads off mm -hmm. um, is actually a weapon in Cyberpunk, the video game. So he pulled it out. I was like, oh, they get that from this movie? Or is that just a thing that I don't realize? But I thought it fit right in with things that were going on in terms of, of all the mainstream news with the video game and cyberpunk discourse is out there again as a genre. So I thought it fit. Okay. Okay. Well, Dan, where are you coming from with Johnny Mnemonic? I had never seen it before, but I was interested in seeing this movie. Uh, someone had posted about it on Twitter some time back. And I like Keanu Reeves. Who doesn't like Keanu Reeves now? But it, it's strange to remember 
that really not too long ago he was considered he was kind of a joke uh-huh. and he he yep. had a string of movies where he was just like probably the worst part of that movie yeah yeah it was like devil's advocate francis ford coppola's dracula he was not great and this was kind of around the same time what this came out in 95 i believe so yeah i mean he's he was on that string of movies where again he wasn't really the best part of it yeah this one was tough this is probably the most wooden i've seen him act in this movie it's painful at times and i was so interested in seeing this and this one really let me down I'm very crestfallen on this one <laughs> again. Cause you, you see, you see something like this and it, it's an interesting concept, the whole cyberpunk espionage martial arts. To me, it was a total swing and a miss. Gotcha. I'd never seen this movie before. It's always kind of been like in the ether. I remember it from like the early internet days of it being a thing. And yeah, it's, Ooh, it was tough to get through. I watched these movies twice, once kind of like to just watch it to watch it. Second time I, it was when I write my notes and I pushed off writing the notes for it till the very last minute. I think there was 15 minutes left when I finished this movie before I, I got on to do this podcast. So it's fresh in my mind and it's just boring. It re- <laughs> like it's, yep. uh, Once you get past how prophetic some of these things were where they just kind of guessed and they landed like there's no way to know of certain, some certain things, but it's a lot of Keanu meeting people, them telling him he's going to die. And then he's like, well, fuck that. And then he goes somewhere else with Jane. So it it's very repetitive. And yeah, I don't really have much more to say. It's like it's very bland. Hmm. It's ugly. It's kind of ugly looking. Oh, very ugly looking. Yeah. Not quite the Grinch ugly looking, but still pretty ugly looking. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's yeah, not enough neon yeah <laughs> i watched this movie twice as well the, the first time i watched it i was kind of tired and this movie definitely didn't help that i, I it didn't <laughs> no. it didn't pull me in so I, I thought you know what i might i was probably in the wrong headspace watching it the first time i'll give it another go and this time i'm fully awake and again i i, I saw myself like my eyes were getting heavy like, oh, man, this that's not a good sign I, i'm wide awake now and then all of a sudden Johnny Mnemonic. It's like Quaaludes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a less fun tank girl, like in terms of the aesthetic. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah <laughs> that's, the, that's very true. Yeah, the only thing that made me chuckle a little bit throughout it is just remembering all the people that were in this movie. Like, out of nowhere, Ice-T shows up. I think he was in Tank Girl too, wasn't he? Yeah. I think he might have been. Yeah. He's a kangaroo yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, and then you know, and then Henry Rollins early on, and it was just like, oh, right, this would have been that era. He was when with Black Flag or something like that. Yeah, yeah, when like, okay, this is when he would be getting started, and same with Ice T. He hasn't made the Law and Order switch yet. The only like exciting like you know, in terms of good writing or good you know, cyberpunk genre writing was the whole speech that Rollins has when he's yelling at Johnny. Or, oh, about how know, about the Black Shakes? He's like, yeah. This is what causes it. This and this. And it, it's all, all around this. us, man. We can't use it. We're just so addicted to it. I was like, oh, man, that's hitting way too close to home. <laughs> you just replaced the black shakes with social media. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, that was like, oh, I was like, that's. And then the rest of it is just like somebody had a leftover martial arts spy script with some future stuff in it. And that just boring. Not anything really exciting. They even get a Ghost in the Machine reference for somebody that, like, vaguely knew internet cyber stuff at the time. You know, just that terminology. And it was just like, how many of these little things from that era of of internet can we get in? And that's what just made it boring. There wasn't much there, Mm story-wise. You know what probably could have lifted out of this script? The Dolph Lundgren character. The street creature served no purpose other than to just be kind of a thorn in Johnny's side. Yeah. yeah, and it's only really like twice. Yeah, you you don't need them because you have the the freaking yakuza. Yeah, are they it, not badass enough? It feels yeah. like I have a feeling that in maybe the first draft or second draft of the script, he was more like his story was a little more prominent, just because they make that reference that he's just all cyber. Like sure. maybe he was like a cautionary tale or something in the world or mm-hmm. something like that, and then they were just like, why do we need this? And then I think the cautionary it. tale should have been when they realized they wrote a freaking 
cybernetic dolphin into the movie. That should have been there. <laughs> well, they, they needed like, more time the for the dolphin. What are we doing? Yeah, yeah, that's why they cut Dolph Lundgren. You know, <laughs> that's when I. I mean, unfortunately, it's the last third of the movie when they introduce Echo, the cybernetic dolphin. <laughs> Excuse but, me, Jones. <laughs> right, Jones. But that's when I I officially checked out the first time I watched it. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm I've had enough of this. It oh. reminded me of the reveal in the South Park Cartoon Wars episode oh, when the Family Manatees. Guy was written by the manatees. <laughs> they just pick balls out of a, a tank, right? Yeah. Just how for an iced tea, right? Because Jones is is linked to iced tea in terms of how they they know each other. Mm-hmm. Iced tea is a bad motherfucker, right? Yep. He's he's hard. He doesn't mess around. How? Could you, I know it's called acting, but how could you pull the shroud off of the tank, see a cybernetic dolphin, and not just say, fuck this? <laughs> I, I guess they paid him a lot of money. I hope so. <laughs> I sincerely hope so, because at that point, even as an actor, you just kind of have to say, why? Yeah. yeah. His agent There's really is probably nothing like, else we could have done. His agent is probably like, it's got this, it's got this kid, Keanu Reeves, he's up and coming, you want to be like... In a movie with him, so you know people connect you. You were that guy in that Keanu Reeves movie. Well, that, that's not that's not untrue because this is a yeah. year after this is his first movie after Speed, so yeah. that's when Keanu blew up. I wonder how many takes it took for him to not laugh when pulling that shroud off. If that was like an actual, if that dolphin was actually in that tank, which I think it was. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was like a puppet. Yeah. Pup, yeah. Ice-T's a fucking professional, man. That's true. He's got that shit. Now, now you know, speaking of Tank Girl and how he w- was a kangaroo man in that, which movie do you think he regrets more? Johnny Mnemonic or Tank Girl? Probably this one. Because so. Tank Girl's got a cult following. Yeah, that's true. And it, it was at least a comic book prior to that. Yeah. So it, it had a little bit of a following, like you said. But yeah, this was... Uh, oof. <laughs> He probably, he accepted that check and was wiped out of his memory. So, Johnny Mnemonic, directed by Robert Longo, who has directed a few music videos, including two for R.E.M. and an episode of Tales from the Crypt. This is his only feature and his last credit. He is an artist by trade, made his name in the 80s with a series called Men in the Cities. It stars Keanu Reeves, Dina Mayer, Ice-T, Takeshi Kitano, Dennis Akiyama, Dolph Lundgren, Henry Rollins, Barbara Sokova, Udo Kier, and Tracy Tweed. IMDb score of 5.7 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 12. Budget, $26 million. They spent $26 fucking million on this movie. <laughs> it, well, you had to you had to spend that money on those awesome graphics at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was at least $5 million on the dolphin. <laughs> right, training it and putting the cybernetic decals on it. What if they just like they sunk fifteen million dollars trying to t- train a dolphin and then they're just like fuck it let's just make a puppet <laughs> right yeah and also Ant we have to say happy birthday to Robert Longo today is oh, his birthday. birthday today is his birthday I don't know if you did that on purpose or not but I one hundred percent did not happy birthday Robert Longo he's born in uh nineteen fifty three there you go box office nineteen million dollars so it did not make its money back yeah this. <laughs> What do Again, you say we get to the plot and we just go home? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's just soldier through this one. Uh, it's there are some ideas in it. It's just it's so the mid '90s is such an interesting time mm-hmm. for the internet and yes. what the inter what they hoped the internet would be or thought it would be and just. So many movies just don't hold up, and there are things. Again, the first five, the 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 title crawl at the beginning of this movie oh. is 100% the world we're living in right now. Yeah. <laughs> but everything else is just so lawnmower manny. Yeah, that's a good point. I I thought, especially the end when Johnny goes into uh, what he goes into the uh, he goes into the internet. The internet. So he hacks like his he, brain hacks yeah, right. his own brain. So that that was I, I just had flashbacks of Lawnmower Man. Like this is I mean Lawnmower Man had better graphics than this, but not by much. <laughs> All right, let's get into the plot. Dan, what do you got for us? All right, so just want to give a quick shout out to our good friend Tia and rep her podcast, The Top Ten with Tia. 
It's a weekly podcast where Tia and her friends get together. They recite their top 10 lists of the week. So it's uh, every Sunday. You can follow her on Twitter at TC underscore Stark. And you could also check her out at Geek Vibes Nation. She does a lot of awesome geek articles and some movie reviews. So uh, please check that out. Okay, great. And we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then we're going to be back with the plot for Johnny Mnemonic. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoGuroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell them about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more Or you epic. could tell them about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell them Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me. As I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back, and now it's time to get into the plot for Johnny Mnemonic. We open on a title crawl, and guess what? It's 2021 and corporations rule. And oh yeah, yeah. and oh yeah, there's a virus. Take that, Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> It, it always strikes me as as odd when someone is like so spot on. Part of me wants to think maybe there is some some sort of time travel that's going on. Uh, if there was time travel and they went back in time to write Johnny Mnemonic, that'd be disappointing. What a waste! <laughs> you get one shot at at time travel, and this is what you bring out of it. Yeah, uh, resistance movement is happening online. And in response, corporations have hired the Yakuza as protection. And there are agents that smuggle information in their brains, known as mnemonic agents. Then we get some, some sweet VR that signifies Internet 2021. Basically a bunch of electrical synapses going through a mainframe until we pull out on a digital alarm clock. We see Keanu Reeves wakes up in a hotel room as a beautiful woman gets dressed and leaves. Johnny seems to be a blank slate, but that could just be Keanu Reeves. Doesn't even know where he comes from. Yeah, that, that's what I meant earlier when I said this might be the most wooden he's ever acted. Yeah. He, he seems so uninterested in this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are you from? Would you believe me if I told you I don't know? <laughs> oh, great, great line read. I'm imagining that the director's notes or was... All right, Keanu, Johnny run, has information put into his brain and he had to take out his memory to be able to do it. How would that character act? He said action and then Keanu did that. And he was like, I guess we'll go with it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Robert Longo is not a director by trade. So yeah. it's entirely possible he had no idea what the fuck he was doing on set. Yeah. The girl leaves and Johnny uses a video phone to call a guy named Ralphie about a procedure johnny wants a full restoration he's trying to get out of the mnemonic game essentially ralphie has one last job for johnny in central beijing and then he could go and get that procedure done and this job is a big one it's always the final job yeah that last last score one last score baby that johnny mnemonic had one score until retirement So we cut to there are protests going on. And oh, good. Everyone is wearing N95s. Johnny hits up an upscale hotel and jacks into his brain to double his brain data capacity. So now he's up to 160 gigabytes. Oh, so he can almost have Call of Duty in his brain. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, with all the updates, it's he's going to be lagging really badly. He's got to have the hard copy version. Yeah. yeah. So he heads up the elevator. Johnny arrives to the hotel room to a bunch of very nervous guys with guns. He introduces himself as Mr. Smith. Look at that, Matrix. His contacts are obviously first-timers, and they are apparently some sort of scientists. They tell him their data is 320 gigabytes, which exceeds his capacity. This can cause data corruption and his death. Johnny says not to worry about it, and they go about downloading the info to Johnny's brain. 
Trying gives them some instructions on how to assure that the right people on the other end are going to get this info. It involves a series of pictures that they will download and fax over to the other people. And Johnny's not supposed to know about it. Meanwhile, a team of hitmen head up the elevator. The download starts and Johnny starts getting all that info into his brain and he more or less has a seizure in the process. And it finishes and the scientists destroy the original copies by burning them and destroying any discs and all that kind of stuff. Johnny excuses himself to the bathroom where he has some side effects of the process, especially because he's overloaded with information. He's training for the uh, the Matrix in this scene. Pretty much, yeah. It seems like the, the test run for the Matrix, really. This, this is... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill what that movie do you think the wachowski saw that scene of him doing you know the the breathing and the the tai chi movements entirely possible that they saw this movie and they're like let's rip off whatever they wound up ripping off for the matrix and they uh, wanted that guy to be the man kudos it worked So while he's in the bathroom, the hitmen burst into the hotel room and start mowing down all the scientists. Meanwhile, Johnny hides in the bathroom. One of the goons goes to check out the bathroom, and Johnny throws him through the glass shower door. And then Johnny fights off some of the guys, eventually escaping the hotel room with some goons in pursuit. The goons kill all but one of the scientists, but chop off his arm with some crazy electric garrot wire. And this is Shinji, right? That's the guy's name? Yeah, with the bad guy? Shinji. Shinji, yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Shinji's got that garrot wire. So keeps the one scientist alive enough to for that guy to squeal that Johnny is going to Newark to meet up with their contact. Johnny manages to escape with the disguise and arrives in the free city of Newark. Beautiful downtown Newark. Yeah. <laughs> Gorgeous. Gorgeous place. Yeah. They, they got it just right. <laughs> you know, I was happy, you know, we, we were joking around how the Wachowskis ripped off of some other movie in this. I'm glad that they didn't rip off the action from Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> it is so bland it's very generic it's yeah. very bad yeah the, the bathroom scene like he like half-heartedly throws guys around and he's making quips while he does it mm-hmm. again mid 90s so if <laughs> if you didn't take down a bad guy and have a quip ready did you really take down the bad guy <laughs> right and I, I love his disguise is probably the worst hitman disguise oh, ever <laughs> It's a little problematic. <laughs> it looks like it looks like a Borat disguise, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a little strange, yeah. I, I think I thought he was kind of going for an Asian look. <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, ooh, I don't know if this would hold up today. Right. <laughs> it is Beijing, so I suppose that that would make a lot of sense. Yes, that would uh, that would be smart as a <laughs> as a courier or smuggler, all the different names they give to him. Yeah. In Newark, an official and another guy have a conversation about trying to track down the data. This is Takahashi and Shinju from a pharma company, and if they don't preserve Johnny's head, the data will be lost because scientists wipe the pharma company's mainframe. I wonder if the line they say here, if it was because the part where he goes, you know, your Japanese is bad, speak to me in English, that he says to the guy, I'm wondering if that was supposed to be like a, I don't know, like a laugh line in it, or maybe through the it was like a rewrite or something where that guy's Japanese was really bad so they just put a line in it so he didn't have to speak Japanese the rest of the movie I think they just didn't want half their movie in subtitles that could be true <laughs> that's how they wanted to introduce it <laughs> I don't think those two ever speak Japanese or uh, they don't speak anything other than English for the rest of the movie really yeah yeah I'm trying the, to know this maybe was... he does I think he might the, the, the yeah yeah the older guy I think he does but yeah. This was still a time when subtitles were frowned upon in American movies. I mean, I think we're just getting around to accepting subtitles now. Yeah. So, I mean, in 95, I think you would introduce subtitles and just say, okay, enough of that. We've established that they speak another language. Everything else in English now. Yeah, exactly. Johnny talks to Ralphie and tells him he's overloaded and needs to get the data out of his head. Ralphie assures him the right people will be able to get it out of him. At a club... 
Henry Rollins talks to Jane, a bodyguard that he's given cyberpunk upgrades to. Jane confronts Ralphie, who hires out bodyguards, and he tells her that he can't use her as a bodyguard because she's basically this world's version of a junkie. She's all overloaded with upgrades, and she can't keep her hands steady. Johnny gets dropped off in a rundown area as Ice-T looks on with a pair of binoculars. Guy approaches Johnny, telling him that he's the contact, but he's not. They're there to intercept Johnny and take his head. So Johnny knocks out the muscle and then sets off an explosive device in order to get away from the other one. Johnny runs and the guys chase after him. Guy chasing Johnny shoots Ice-T's friend, then goes to shoot Ice-T, but Johnny kills him with a shovel. The other <laughs> muscle tries to kill them both, but Ice-T kills him. <laughs> the, the only great thing about um, outside of Ice-T might be the best actor in this is that the fact that they felt the need to paint the anarchy symbol or tattoo it onto all the people from low tech as they mm-hmm. go, these are the revolutionaries. Get it? Because anarchy. Anarchy. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. It's like Alyssa Milano's team in, in Double Dragon. Oh, uh, yeah. the Electric Factory or something like that? Yeah, Power something. <laughs> the, yeah, the Power Company. or. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it, what it was. PSE&G, I think. <laughs> Ice-T introduces himself as J-Bone and says he runs heaven. Then we cut to Johnny finding Ralphie in, at the club and threatening him with a gun. Ralphie says that it seems like there's been something fishy going on with the drop, like something went wrong, and then Johnny gets knocked out by one of Ralphie's bodyguards. Then Jane sees Ralphie and his bodyguards carrying a knocked-out Johnny through the club, so she follows. Johnny wakes up in a back room, and Ralphie sold him out to the Yakuza, because Shinji is there. Johnny tries to compromise with Shinji, the Yakuza operative, but he tells him he's under orders to take his head. Shinji is about to operate. Jane crashes through the ceiling to interrupt, so she fights off some of the bodyguards. Ralphie offers her day's pay to just move on, but Johnny offers her 20k. She ups it to 50k, he agrees, and they run. And Shinji kills Raffi with that garrote thing, and then chases after Jane and Johnny. That's pretty so. bad negotiating on Keanu Reeves' character. <laughs> I'll give you 20. 50. Sold. <laughs> I don't think he felt like there was enough time to say 30. <laughs> 25. 35, that's my final offer. 27.5. <laughs> right. It was just like Shinji's just waiting. Like, uh... <laughs> we had him all day here. Jane and Johnny run through the alleys, eventually making it to J Bones. So many fucking J's in this movie. Man. Making it to J Bones, who has an army that protects them and lets them into his hideout, which winds up being in the sewers. Jane decides to stick with Johnny in order to get paid, and he tells her why people are after him. And then he has a seizure. Meanwhile, Takahashi gets some sort of message from a computer woman face telling him that Shinji is planning to kill him and then that the courier, Johnny, holds info that could be a new purpose in life. Johnny and Jane move through the sewers and Johnny talks about how he can't remember his childhood and he needs a computer in order to dump the data that's going to make his brain explode, essentially. Doesn't he yell at this point at Jane and go, do you have parents? Oh, yeah, it's just like a, it's like a huge screaming match. Yeah. <laughs> because, because Jane is pretty much a, uh, she's like an echo. In this scene, anytime Johnny says something, she has to repeat it back with a question. <laughs> oh my God, shut up, lady. <laughs> Just like we said with this being boring, I, you know, would check out every so often for like 30 seconds or so. And I just remember during this scene being brought back when he yells, do you have parents? <laughs> right. Like, I, he I doesn't Jane realize asks, how people are made. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think because Jane asks if he has parents. Oh, like, okay. Do you have parents? <laughs> It's basically just I'm rubber, you're in glue kind of yeah. kind of thing. They're just acting like children. Yeah. They make it to some office that just so happens to have a bunch of equipment for him to jack into the computer system, and he gets online. We get some really stupid-looking VR scene as Johnny has to do so much work just to make a phone call. He's able to tap into the Beijing hotel and to check the records of charges for faxes in order to track down to where the info was sent. Finds out it was a copy shop in Newark. He tracks it all the way to a doctor all come tries to get in touch with a guy named strike that controls a board on the internet meanwhile the yakuza are tracking him and manage to find him put a virus on him and strikes board and johnny sees the woman's face that takahashi was talking to and she tells him the yakuza are coming they escape just before the yakuza could get to them so shinji has to tell takahashi and takahashi calls a bounty hunter by the name <laughs> of the preacher to hunt down johnny I, I love telling you. It's, it's like you're trying to piece it together yourself. Yes. So then Takahashi <laughs> is talking to Shinji 
But Sinji is talking to <laughs> the spider, and something else is going on with Johnny now, and there's there's a lot of threads here. Yeah, definitely. And then this is where Dolph Lundgren gets introduced as the preacher. Johnny uses a futuristic payphone and hacks into the security to call the pharma company to get the data out of his head. He arranges a meeting, and Jane is worried because she thinks they're going to kill him, so she plans to put him in touch with a guy named Spider. Then she has some sort of violent convulsions because she has the Black Shakes, which is a pretty cool name for a disease, yeah. which is the virus. It sounds Johnny... like a dance in the 50s, right? <laughs> the Black Shakes, yep. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, that, the new Chuck Berry song. Yeah. It sounds like something that you would say that someone's having withdrawals. Yes. Oh, man, that's the Black Shakes. <laughs> That poor kid. Yeah. Find that in Kensington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Johnny puts her in a cab and brings her to Spiders. The cab service in this cyberpunk world is incredible, though. From what I know, <laughs> he takes a cab like everywhere. It's just <laughs> dropping them off. Prompt service. Yep. Spider brings them in, played by Henry Rollins, and puts Jane on the his operating table. He shoots Jane up with some muscle relaxers. And Spider says the black shakes are caused by technology, man. It's all around us. Meanwhile, just addicted to it, man. Yeah. So he, he's yeah. essentially a hippie. Real deep shit. Pseudo deep shit, I should yeah. say. <laughs> Sounds like you're working for your car, man. <laughs> what, what, what does he tell him? Uh, conceptualize. <laughs> Shine on you, freaky diamond, you. <laughs> this I can't believe like people gave Henry Rollins a shot to act. Yeah, right? Not that he's bad. It's just like he's batshit insane. Yeah. This is probably his Henry Rollins band days. Yeah. I know he wrote a book, and the book was like how to tolerate pain. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's Henry Rollins, man. He's he's a nut job. But it, like not a bad nut job. Yeah. He's he's just about that like hardcore life. Yeah. I remember like probably like the early two thousands, he had like like a stand up special too. Yeah, he dabbled in everything. It wasn't funny whatsoever. No. <laughs> but he he was like Donald Glover now. You know, like we're right. Donald Glover, he's a music artist, he's an actor, and he also has a comedy special out. But like Donald Glover is obviously much better at yeah. most of those things, if yeah. not all of those things. You mean to tell me Donald Glover saw Henry Rollins' career and was like, I want to do that? <laughs> who, who am I to say? Maybe he took some inspiration from Henry Rollins. This guy's badass. I want to do that. If, if we see Donald Glover getting into tattoo artistry, We'll know for sure. <laughs> Meanwhile, J-Bone keeps tabs on the preacher. Says he'd take any job for money in order to keep his body full of implants. And then we got some scene with Takahashi. I literally just have in my notes, Takahashi. And then it goes on to the next. I don't remember what, I, <laughs> what the scene was. I think this is when he figures out that there's a ghost in the machine. I think that that's your yeah. thing where... They had the speech about the woman who founded something and she died in 2006. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think that this seems seems about right, right around here. Meanwhile, Johnny taps into Pharmacon's system from Spider's computers, but Spider tells him to fuck off. Johnny asks him about brain implants. Spider says he doesn't really have any experience with those things. And the preacher talks to a guy named Hookie that works with J-Bone, introduces himself as Isaiah, and he sticks Hookie's hand in a liquid nitrogen tank and then smashes it with a hammer in order for Hookie to spill his guts about Jane and Spider and where he could find Jane. Meanwhile, Jane is hooked up to a bunch of monitors while Spider scans Johnny's brain. Jane wakes up and when Spider is taking a look at Johnny, Spider thinks that he might not be able to salvage the info, but might be able to take out the implant. Johnny asks Spider if he knows Dr. Alcum or Alcum. And Spy Spider acts squirrely first, but then relents and drives them in a truck that looks like the truck from the Dawn of the Dead remake. And then he runs over the preacher. That was actually a good... I, I quite enjoyed that line when he runs over Dolph Lundgren's character. And Johnny Keanu Reeves goes, who was that guy? He's like, you don't want to know. They didn't want to even come up with a weird explanation. Just like, that's what this world was, was the simplest thing. Yeah. You don't know who that guy is. Let's ignore it and keep going. Yeah, I, I mean, mean... Just murder a man. <laughs> sure. It would be repetitive because we just found out from J-Bone who he is. So from a storytelling standpoint, we'd have to hear that twice in a row. It, it reminded me of the scene in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when the cab hits Raphael. It was, what was that? It was a giant turtle in a trench coat. You're going to LaGuardia, right? So it's, <laughs> I, got, I got that kind of vibe from it. 
He drives them to what I think is supposed to be Grand Central Station, which is now some sort of makeshift clinic for virus-infected people. And then he says, Dr. Allcom, it turns out, is a code for all hands on deck and usually means there's a violent patient that needs to be subdued. He tells Johnny the message was meant for them. Spider tells Johnny to lie down on the table and starts trying to decrypt the code in Johnny's head. Spider fails, but says he could do surgery to remove the data physically, but will come with hazards to Johnny's motor skills, can kill him, but he tells him that he might die anyway. He tells Johnny that he has the cure for NAS in his head, which is the virus. The black shakes, if you will. He tells him the reason why people are trying to take his head because everybody wants the code at the expense of other countries having the code. I love how Johnny is pretty much a a royal prick in this movie Mm -hmm. because he's just like, well, well, if I'm just going to die, I'm going to die. Like, well, I don't want this to happen. You you potentially have life saving information in your head, man. Just I think it's it's kind of sacrifice for the greater good here, perhaps. Yeah, he's a reluctant hero. Exactly. Yes. He's not much of a hero, but he's a reluctant one. No, he's not a very good hero. (laughs) So Spider tells Johnny that he is dead no matter what, but the cure will save millions and that a guy named Jones can help him. And then the preacher shows up, starts wrecking shit, trying to kill Johnny. But Jane saves Johnny and Spider jumps on his back, allowing Johnny and Jane to escape. And the preacher then tortures Spider to find out where they're going. We never see if he tells him, but we could kind of assume that he does. Johnny and Jane jump in Spider's truck, and Johnny makes a call to the security person again to set up the drop at the bridge, but it turns out it's actually Takahashi using some sort of avatar to make Johnny think he wasn't talking to Takahashi, but he doesn't really know who Takahashi is anyway, so... (laughs) It's done in the lamest way, too. He's using a hand puppet? Yeah. It's basically, you know, when you mock someone, like, oh, they're talking too much, blah, 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 blah. That's how they, it wasn't some cool like yeah. retrofitted thing like in um, that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Total uh, Recall. Total Recall, right? When they have the, the yeah. mechanical head mm-hmm. over him. No, it's a virtual hand puppet. Yeah, it's essentially if an Instagram filter recognizes your hand as a face. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Yeah, and then Johnny falls for it. <laughs> They make it to the bridge and start shouting, but no one is around to hear. Eventually, two guards hear it, and they accidentally wind up dropping a rigged wrecked car on Spider's car, exploding on impact, and Johnny is able to save Jane, pushes her out of the way just in time. And then Johnny has a diatribe about how much he wants room service, and we get a moment here. He's basically a spoiled guy that has never had to worry about anybody but himself. Now he's faced with having the power to save the world, and he doesn't know what to do with it. Probably, this is a characterization that probably comes a little late in this movie. Mm. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk throughout it, but this is where we really find out he's spoiled. Yeah. Uh, That would have been nice to know immediately. Yeah, and he goes on and on about how he wants, you know, room service, silk sheets, hot showers, wake-up calls, all that kind of stuff. I guess he's, you know, through his work, he's been living in and out of hotels his whole life, I suppose. I'm pretty sure he... uh... He mentions a high-class prostitute as well. Yes, he does. Yeah, like $10,000 hooker or something like that. Yeah, which I guess is the the in the, the first scene, I assume that that's a hooker, right? More than likely, yeah. Yeah. And she asks a lot of questions now that I think about it. <laughs> right, that's not really their job. Right. That's why it's like, well, is this a one-night stand or is this... A uh, continuous relationship. Yeah. And then he was expecting her to stay. <laughs> right. You're my number one customer, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm just going to go get some ice. I'll be right back. It's like, no, Where'd we have go? ice. Stick around. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, only paid for the hour. <laughs> <laughs> that That's in the sequel. Yeah. J-Bone comes down to greet them and brings them up on an elevator. And then Johnny has an information overload seizure. J-Bone and Jane help Johnny as he passes out. Jeez, fucking J-names. Yeah, it's, it gets tough. Yeah. Meanwhile, Takahashi loads a gun and he's prepared to meet Johnny at the bridge. Johnny almost has visions of his past, and then he and Jane make out. But then J-Bone interrupts them, telling him it's time to meet Jones. J-Bone shows Johnny the hacking system that his hideout has that uses TV frequencies to get their message out. And then he introduces to Jones, who is a dolphin. Jones has been engineered to scan for enemy submarines, and they've kind of retrofitted him to send out these signals. I don't really 100% understand how they're using Jones. <laughs> idea, like, how did they think to do that as well, right? Like, whose idea was it? Like, oh, let's get a dolphin in here to uh, kind of bypass all of these encrypted 
password protected areas. Like, I'm sure you could have found a person to do that. <laughs> it's pretty stupid. Yeah. yeah this I, wasn't just any dolphin, Dan. Jones was in the Navy. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he's a war hero. <laughs> he's a war hero. <laughs> I was going to say, he's a serviceman. He, uh, Purple Heart <laughs> and all that. Does this count as animal cruelty? It has I, to. I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> they, they keep him in a fish tank. He's not doing much moving. Right. He's probably like 30% dolphin at this point, though. <laughs> it, like the same percentage of tuna cans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they literally, man, they literally could have come up with any other explanation. You could have had like a Cerebro type of machine or like a Zordon type of thing going on here. You know, like just a face in the ether who can actually communicate with the other characters. But no, you, you someone threw Dolphin out there, and everyone else agreed, that's what we're going with. Somebody probably read a story about the U.S. military like using dolphins or something to track for landmines or something like that, and it was like, well, what if they were cyber dolphins? <laughs> instead of hunting for mines, <laughs> they help you crack encrypted data. <laughs> And underwater mines. are so smart, man. It's just, I think they could have, and it could have been any type of of animal, really. I like, I get dolphins are smart, but like, why not a chimp? <laughs> right, that a makes chimp a little more sense, right? Chimping away at the computer. Right, a room right, full of chimps. Right, <laughs> a room full of chimps. <laughs> right, yeah, just yeah, you just have a you know a smart chimpanzee just clicking away, like it's not working, T Bone, it's or J Bone, it's not working. We can't get past the firewall. Yeah. <laughs> of course, those dolphins probably train to find wa- underwater mines. Landmines would be useless. <laughs> yes, that would be tough. We need you to find this. I, I was I hoping I would slide by. <laughs> Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. I, we all understand what you were going for. But, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's like Anthony the image of dolphins it. flopping around, trying to find landmines in the Middle East. <laughs> just exploding. Like, right, found well, one. Found one. <laughs> <laughs> Get the oh, other dolphin man. in here. <laughs> You know, Why am I laughing at that? That's terrible. Well, well, because that's not. I wouldn't put that past our military. That's why. <laughs> Just launching them from a giant catapult. Yeah. <laughs> well, best of luck, Roxanne. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's gonna get that reference. Is it a Zeus and Roxanne? Zeus reference? and Roxanne. Yeah. <laughs> I think Roxanne was the dolphin. I, I think and Zeus was the the dog. That just makes sense, right? Who names a dolphin Zeus? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like it's Poseidon. Right. Yeah, that would make a little more sense. But yeah, again, it's just of all the strange things that have done in this movie, this is by far the strangest. Yes. I think we just wrote the thing to make this better. It's <laughs> a room full of chimps. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say launching no, dolphins no. from catapults. To try and find landmines. <laughs> I was bringing the podcast back to before my mistake. <laughs> I, I, I could see like generals with a uh, battleship type of map. Uh, B eight. Boom. <laughs> we got one. And then Takahashi arrives with an arsenal and men. J Bone's plan is to hook Johnny up to an experimental system that will feed his brain codes in order to crack the download codes. They hook Johnny up and they try to break into his brain with the help of Jones or something. I don't know. <laughs> Meanwhile. Takahashi and his men are infiltrating the base. They kill some men, but J-Bone's men kill one, too. So they just start firing bazookas at J-Bone's hideout just like a hundred times or so. They have to stop the scan and J-Bone tells Johnny he's got to hack his own brain while J-Bone and his men fend off the Yakuza. Takahashi lands on the roof and infiltrates the base. He meets up with Johnny and Jane, shoots at Jane who escapes. The ghost of the machine tells Takahashi that Pharmacon... Let his daughter die because it was more profitable. So he starts hacking at the computer cables with a samurai sword. And then he's shot and killed by Shinji. Shinji and Johnny fight, eventually almost falling off the top of J-Bone's fortress. But Johnny uses Shinji's wire on him and cuts his head off. The preacher makes it to Jane and they start fighting. Meanwhile, J-Bone's men and the Yakuza continue to fight. Johnny races back down and runs into Takahashi, who gives him another one of the picture codes and dies. Preacher is about to kill Jane, but Johnny stops him, and then they fight. So he starts to beat up Johnny, but Jane turns Jones' satellite dishes on the Preacher, and Jones uses his ultra-frequency waves to basically explode the Preacher. Once again, Jones is a dolphin. (laughs) (laughs) 
I like how the uh, the brain waves or the the waves are clearly visible too. <laughs> I don't know if they know how waves work, but they're invisible. Yes. <laughs> I, I I get you're supposed to be like show. I guess you're trying to show it. Yeah. But and we're supposed to suspend uh, reality here. But yeah. I mean, if you're getting hung up on that when there's a cybernetic dolphin in the tank behind the scene. Now, Jones. <laughs> <laughs> if, if that's him, the Jones. line. You're, you've been with the dog. Yeah, dolphin. With the, yeah, oh. They showed the sound waves. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Unrealistic. No stars. It's like when people watch Star Wars. Like It's like Neil when Neil deGrasse Tyson watches Star Wars and he's like, well, that explosion wouldn't make noise in space. Right, like, right. Fuck you, man. Space is a vacuum. <laughs> It's like space wizards. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. They're also they could they can send their doppelganger through different worlds and stuff like that. Let's try to suspend reality a little bit. <laughs> the Yakuza defeated. J Bone turns the system back on. The woman in the computer tells Johnny to find the last image, and then they sit Johnny back down in the chair to find the last of the code. J Bone sends a message across the airwaves, and then they send Johnny into the internet. With some amazing graphics, like some reboot shit, man. <laughs> I think this is what they teach like beginners now for mm-hmm. computer graphics. Yeah. yeah, that's essentially what this scene is. Yeah, I love Ice T's line in this where he goes, "Don't worry, that was the double." <laughs> yeah, the double. Oh my God, Johnny, no, no, don't worry. That's like some MTV 1980s bullshit. Oh yeah, this totally looks like I want my MTV music yeah. video. It's like Devo. Yeah. <laughs> So Johnny's in the internet, and I don't even know what the fuck is happening in this scene. (laughs) Johnny hacks his brain, I suppose, and then Jones comes to help him out. Once again, Jones is a dolphin. (laughs) (laughs) He's a special dolphin, man. And he successfully finds the final image, which is the woman in the computer. So everything starts to get downloaded, and the cure gets broadcast around the world. And they unlock Johnny's memories. And surprise, surprise, the woman in the computer was his mom the whole time. Then Johnny unhooks and collapses. But then he's fine and he hugs Jane. And J-Bone looks out on the skyline and sees the Pharmacom headquarters set ablaze. And there's a fake out of the preacher coming back to life, but he's dead. And then Johnny and Jane look out onto the skyline and it was completely ripped off for Fight Club. Yeah, oh, 100%. That's, that's what Jen said. Like, oh, so it's Fight Club. And then that's the end of Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> it's a I, big w- dumb movie. <laughs> I, I was waiting for you to say uh, Johnny and Jane look out into the poorly put uh, green screen effect. <laughs> it is a big dumb movie. It's I, it's boring as sin. Yeah. I, I was waiting for the comedy effect of while they're looking out into the town, Joan splashes them with water. <laughs> Jones. <laughs> that's our Jones. I bet you I bet you more than anything they wanted so badly to have a Jones spin-off movie. Johnny Mnemonic was filmed in front of a studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh I give it credit for its idea. It's an interesting thought process and the idea that people are smuggling data in their minds is it's, it's cool. I think deep down it's a cool idea, but it's just it's so misguided this movie. I don't yeah, think he, it really landed what it wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even taking it a step further from what you were saying, Dan, just and also the idea that the data in his head is the cure for a disease is a yeah. good. It's not like some trade secrets or a way to make money. It's a very white hat, black hat sort of hacking. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that someone at one point in the movie would yeah. say something about a black hat. Yeah, it's it's very much that. In ter- Henry Rollins gets pretty close mm-hmm. when he's asking for the information at the hospital, saying, you know, this is for millions will be saved if we take this out of your head. It seems like a premise that had a bad uh, screenwriter or bad notes from the studio when they read through the writer's draft. Something happened along the way where they had a good idea of this smuggling system where people smuggle things through their head. And there's this worldwide disease and the data is the cure for it. And, you know, all this corpo stuff. And, you know, and then they were just like, oh, we have to write another hour of a movie around all this. Uh, so, um, yeah. Throw a dolphin in there. Yeah, there's a there's a dolphin. And, uh, yeah, I- Ice teased the head of a rebel gang. They didn't know how to complete the movie or complete the idea. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really know what much to say about this movie. It suffers from the fact that we watched RoboCop last week, and that movie just does everything so much better. The worlds that they build are trying to be similar, but RoboCop does it in such a better way and in such a more entertaining way. I think that's really what su- what Johnny Mnemonic suffers from. It's just not entertaining at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, uh, I think I agree with Mark. I think Ice-T is probably the the best part of this movie. Yeah. And And, and he's not all that great in it. No. I think I think Dolph Lundgren has the potential. I think that could have been an interesting character, but, but he also he's not right out. He's not in it. Yeah, he he means nothing to the plot. Right. Yeah, he's, he's not in it enough either. He's like a sub boss. Yeah. But he's not as threatening, you know. At mm-hmm. least to me, it's just, he just seemed more of like a a mild nuisance. Yeah. It's yeah. I just I don't even know what I would do to make this better. <laughs> I like the idea of the the room full of uh, monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> like they're the ones who are controlling the, the flow of information <laughs> like oh my god it's 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 really run by monkeys it's, it's such a stupid reveal it really yeah. is i can I only imagine what people did in the movie theaters when that reveal happened right did like did they realize they had been conned out of their money yeah like, oh, god, they like, got it. and jones doesn't really come into it as a, a name that you need to know until three quarters of the way into the movie too like right. they treat they treat it like it's this big reveal like like the third like the third man they do that like uh, Harry Lime and the third man is like this everybody talks about Harry Lime through the first and second act and then he's finally revealed as who is Orson Welles in like the the end of the second act and that's mm-hmm. like the big that's like the ha- the best way that someone's ever really done that kind of reveal right and they treat it like that sort of reveal but it's like we learned the name Jones two scenes prior. Yeah. Like it should have been set up in the beginning. It was like, oh, Jones. You gotta see Jones, man. Yeah, there's only one way to get to to get this out, and it's to see Jones. It's almost like going to the Wizard of Oz. You know? Right. Yes. The, the Wizard of Oz can get you home. Yes. That should have been established immediately. Not oh, maybe we could pull it out this way, or maybe we could get it out this way. I, I mean I like the idea that the seepage, that's cool. Like you gotta get this stuff out of you or you're dead. But yeah, to have all these pit stops along the way that really amount to nothing, it's it's just a drag. Mm-hmm. It's a movie that has interesting ideas, but it's just poorly executed. It's really what it's, it comes down to. It's the techno babble, I think. Yeah. There, there's a lot of techno babble. It's like Star Trek. Like we, they're talking about how they have to fix the phase on crystals and all that. And you're like, well, no one knows what the fuck you're talking about. And the same thing here. No one knows what you're really talking about. It's 1995. No one gets the internet just yet. So they're just kind of making it up as they go along. Yeah. You want to plug your shit? Sure. At Diaquino122, it's my personal Twitter account. And follow Stranger Damies at Stranger Damies. I almost said at StrangerDamies.com, but that wouldn't make sense. Uh, at Stranger Damies on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, that's it. Yeah. So, and then Stranger Damies, our D&D podcast, as Dan mentions, airs um, every Wednesday. We're in a little bit of a hiatus. We should be coming out of it soon um, by the time this episode airs. Going to be getting pretty close. So, just keep an eye on the Twitter for an exact date on all of that. We are switching to doing some live streaming, so that leads me right into, um, you'll be able to watch that on twitch.tv slash GameVaultPod. The GameVault Podcast is our gaming podcast. It airs every other Monday, and then we stream four nights a week, Wednesday, Thursday, and then either Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday and Monday. Be sure to check us out then. Once again, that's twitch.tv slash GameVaultPod. And yeah, we're going to have some exciting stuff coming forward. Campaign 2 of Stranger Damies. I'm excited. So be sure to check us out and follow us. Like and subscribe and all that good stuff. Okay, great. And we are They Call This a Movie. You can find us on Spreaker by searching They Call This a Movie. You can also find us on any podcast streaming app. So that's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find us there. We're the mainDamie.com. That's the main website where you can find articles hypothetically as well as stranger damies and more and you could find us on all socials just by going to the main damie search for the main damie on facebook instagram and twitter and you should find us and we are also proud member geek fives nation you can find that at gbnation.com and on all socials and podcast streaming apps just by searching for geek fives nation tons of great shows on there tons of great people they got articles 
They've got reviews. We got interviews. Top ten with Tia. Cutting the sacred cow. Uh, kind of nerdy girls. Uh, scene and nerd. Uh, Nick's show. I don't know the name of it, but it's there. Uh, Geek Fives Live. Dan's done a bunch of those shows. A uh, bunch of great shows. If you're into geek stuff, there's surely a show for you. And that's going to wrap it up this week. This has been Johnny Mnemonic, and the director of Johnny Mnemonic is Robert Longo. So, for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Delvecchio telling Robert Longo, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.